0: The Big Vets on Campus Podcast. Podcast.
1: Podcast. All right, here we go.
0: Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just
2: got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh, they get
1: it. A miracle. It. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, the Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast, presented by BetMGM. This is the conference tournament betting preview, part one. I'm your host, Stucky, and joining me as always is Mike Calabrese BJ Cunningham. I'm fresh back from Aruba, ready to go. I'm feeling great. Mike might take my job, <laughs> hosted Big Bets on Campus and of me on Saturday. Thank you for that, Mike. And best bets go 8-0. Well done. How's it going, Mike? I
0: mean, it's easy when you're fading Florida without Castleton and Gonzaga. I just, of course, regret that it wasn't a slam spot for me. I just had a regular amount of units on it. But even though, just as a pure gambler, me, 8 0 on best bets, we did a great job. I'm still pissed about the Arkansas game. I get exactly what I wanted. Alabama makes three three pointers. Nick Smith Jr. goes off for 20 plus. And somehow they still don't win that game. Cause I, I want to say they missed seven or eight straight foul shots in the second yeah. half, a bunch of front ends as well. They end up losing by a single possession. So that one burned me. Cause I, I think I was on the right side, but Alabama they're playing with fire. Not a great thing to be doing headed into conference tournament week.
1: Yeah. Well done. And it's, you know, some of these, it's, it's amazing how much more efficient the college basketball batting market is with each passing week. It just, it's stunning for me to watch like that. Gonzaga slam spot, you know, it, that line gets up to six as, you know, a couple of years ago, that's four, three and a half. Uh, Iowa, I thought we were going to get like three, three and a half, four. It's at six, five and a half. Thoughts and prayers to anybody no. who had both, you know, so listen, both on <laughs> Saturday and Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, if you had Michigan State plus five and a half, lose in overtime on a I'll, I'll let you talk about that comeback in a sec BJ on one of the craziest comebacks of all time and then you have Wisconsin on Sunday plus five and a half and Hunter Dickinson first one of your best players goes out for the game with an injury Hunter Dickinson hits you know a bomb three to force overtime and Michigan wins by eight the Big Ten home court advantage voodoo continues but what an amazing comeback by Iowa who looked dead in the water and Michigan State was hitting every free throw, which makes the comeback even more amazing because they just missed the one, the one free throw, which is they almost got to the end with Iowa hitting just three after three after three. And we called it. We said Iowa's due to just eventually, now it took forever. And Michigan State made every single three. It took forever, but Iowa's threes finally started falling. And all it took was one Michigan State uh-huh. missed free throw. And Iowa takes advantage. BJ, where were you watching that? And how did you, did you, you basically had to give up on it, right? At some point. Yeah, it, no, it's funny, you know, in life with a kid
2: now, it's like, all right, if a game is over, I kind of got to like, go away from the TV and start like helping out and everything like that with my wife. And I was, I was kind of stepping away for a little bit, but I always had my phone like there and I was just like, okay, like we're, we're getting beat, whatever. Like, and then I was like, wait, it's starting to get a little for the final minute when it got to 96 to 92 with 30 seconds left, I was like, all right. And I just pulled it up on my phone and I was just kind of watching And yeah, it was berserk. Iowa made five threes in the final minute of the game. Is <laughs> insane. Insane. Um, and yeah, like you said, Michigan State made pretty much every free throw. It, you know, in the final minute, they missed just two of their free throws, and Iowa just made every single shot. And of course, when you get to overtime, that's exactly uh, you know what's what's going to happen from there. But yeah, just unbelievable comeback from the Hawkeyes. I mean, I'm as a fan, I'm probably going to bet on them to win the Big Ten tournament. But if they're a long shot. If they're hitting threes, they got a shot to win the Big Ten tournament, just like they did last year. From a strategy
0: perspective, BJ, just real quick to jump in, because obviously this is important not only to you, but also to our audience because you want to make sure that you're putting yourself in a situation to win. When you are trying to watch those games with a kid and a wife, knowing that you want to watch it are you more of the school like let me take the garbage out walk it to the end of the driveway go slow are you hunkering down in the bathroom and trying to you know eat up as much bathroom time as you can just watching the last 30 seconds can turn into 10 minutes drop of a hat no problem with reviews and timeouts so yeah do there
2: it's, it's usually a bathroom for me. It's usually, you know, I got to take a dump. So, you know, you go in there and, you know, I've already established with my wife that it's like a 20 minute session every time for me at this point. So it just gives me that extra time in the bathroom. Um, you know, as Stucky said, we're not a safe driving uh, podcast. So sometimes it'll be, you know, Oh, I got to go to the grocery store to grab this for dinner, you know, and then the, the phone comes out. So yeah, it's, you find any little way you can uh, to watch it without your wife absolutely hating you. Um, which eventually ends up happening, but that's okay. Um, But yeah, it's uh, what a wild comeback that was. Yeah, yeah, I I just have no words for that. Just just absolutely insane from the Hawkeyes. As a
0: kid, I remember, this is going to date me a little bit, but I had Game Gear, so there was Game Boy, and then Game Gear was like the Sega version. It was in color, and I had this thing that you put in the game slot called TV Tuner, and it would have the bunny ears to come out, and you can get like three or four channels, And at the time I would watch like college football games and stuff like that, like in my room on it. And I always had this dream that I could be in the bathroom. I could be at the grocery store. (laughs) I didn't know I'd be running away from my family actively, but yeah, it's a great time to be alive. You can catch essentially all the action.
2: Exactly.
1: All right. Let's, let's get into, well, let's kind of map out what this episode and the next couple of weeks are going to look like. We're going to preview every conference tournament and, there's, they're actually starting there's one that starts today. We're going to talk about that in just a second. We'll recap the week that was if you have any rants, go ahead. I need just one thing you took away from the weekend. then we'll get right into it. We have four conference tournaments that are going to start over the next two days. We'll talk about all four from a futures perspective. and then you know midweek on Wednesday, you have the three-man weave. we're gonna pick up the midweek episode. they'll talk about the conference rooms that are going to start Wednesday and Thursday give out some plays well and we'll talk about tonight if we have a, a play that we want to mention then you know friday we'll do our normal weekend preview we'll mention some spots that we like but we'll also talk about a couple of the conference tournaments that start, and then repeat that process then next week there's going to be a ton of a ton of conference tournaments that start so we're going to break up all those episodes i'll host them all on sunday it's a crazy day for me i, have to, I do like 10 hours of podcasting everyone will take a conference and we'll do we'll out a bunch of episodes to cover all the conference tournaments so more on that later in the week for the exact details but for now we're going to cover the four conference tournaments to start in the next two days but first weekend takeaways any rants um i'll say you know i'll look kentucky looked really good against auburn they're 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 dangerous they have a lot of talent they're starting to figure out their rotation i was really impressed with what i saw from them and they might be getting hot at the right time um and rant uh i had a bad i ran on myself i had a bad number on i had a bet some early i was out on friday night i took new mexico plus two and i pushed on the san diego state shot which sucked but other than that it was a small winning weekend oh fresno state by the way i hate fresno state i had them against nevada nevada again they are covering you know, and in, in the last minute, they miss every shot again. And then they're down four. I have them plus three and a half. They're down four with the twelve seconds to go. They don't they decide not to foul. Like, come on. Like I have, and the amount of underdogs that I have that are that foul down nine with like three seconds, and they don't foul down four to give me another shot at a uh a three. So that was annoying. But uh it's all it's all good vibes from here on out. Indiana, huge win. That was one of the biggest wins of the weekend. Hood Shafina was amazing. Purdue's kind of trending down. I think Indiana is trending up. Happy with that future. And at Creighton with a concerning loss on the road to Villanova. But Villanova will be an interesting potential long shot. We'll talk about them. They, they get a lot of respect in the market, so I'm not sure if they'll have any value. But uh, another interesting weekend of parity across college basketball. Mike, let me throw it to you. Any rants or takeaways from the weekend that you want to mention? I just regret that I didn't take Nova
0: to upset Creighton because I talked about it so much in the opposite direction when they went out to Omaha and brought up the historical data on their, their rivalry, their series, the home team always wins in that series. Um, But in terms of another takeaway, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Kansas. I think we all agree. We wrote off Kansas a little too soon, but we also wrote off Tennessee. And I think for good reason, in terms of actually winning the national championship, I am this close to writing off Arizona to win it all. This trip to L.A. where they play USC and UCLA, and I think it's a Thursday-Saturday or Thursday-Sunday back-to-back, this is it. This is prove-it-to-me time because you lay an egg you know, on the farm playing against Stanford, which was an awful loss. It was really a head-scratcher. But then to come back at home against Arizona State, I understand that they make this a half-quarter to win the game, but even the fact that they were in it the whole way, I just don't think they have the killer instinct. I don't think they have the guard play. They're they're not getting better on the perimeter. And as good as Tubelas and Balo are inside the arc, I just don't see this team making a deep run. And I, I think it's it's worth mentioning. It's like when is Arizona really put it together in March Madness this century? So at this point, unless they go in and beat the doors off of USC and then win convincingly against UCLA, I'm out on Arizona to win it
1: all. Yeah, I don't trust their guards either. Uh by the way, amazing shot by Blackshear off the wrong foot, but if you're Arizona, you got to miss that second free throw. There was like one and a half, what was there, one, one and a half seconds left and you missed the first, right? If you make the first, you make, try to make the second, but once you miss the first, they're not getting a two, right? right. So It doesn't like, matter, yeah. They, if they get a rebound there, then you're chucking it 90 feet with one arm and it's not going in. Instead, you get a running start from Blackshear. Obviously it was a miraculous shot, but that thing looked pure from, I was watching it live and I was like, whoa, this thing's you know, you, you have a split second in your brain, but I was like, this thing was heat seeking, and it so pure. What an amazing shot! A March shot, a pre-March March shot. What a, for? What a huge win for Arizona State. But I agree with you. The guards for Arizona, I don't trust them to make a, a deep run and win six games. BJ, anything? Any key takeaways from the weekend other than what a win for Iowa? Maybe yeah, I mean, Harris. obviously, what a great
2: win for Iowa. But you know, I was very impressed with UCLA. Like that was a very tough back to back. I understand Utah had didn't have two of their best players, but. Going back to back in the altitude trip and getting two wins there. I mean, they are getting dangerously close to the one line here with Purdue falling to Indiana. So I'm starting to ask myself, is UCLA the best team in the country with the off the court stuff going on with Alabama? Kind of obviously Houston's still really good, but they haven't been tested in a really long time. So I'm starting to ask myself, does Mick Cronin have a chance at at winning the national title here and being uh, on the one line? And as far as a rant, um, I mean, we say this every single year and it just comes up, but stop fouling when you're down eight or nine with under 30 seconds left. You're not coming back. Texas and Baylor under 149. Again, this is another situation where I was watching on my phone while driving. Um, But Baylor was up eight or up nine with 45 seconds left. Texas hits a three. They foul. Baylor then goes up 10. Texas, hits another three to go down seven. So I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. They foul him. Baylor misses the first or makes the first and this is the second. And then Texas misses the three pointer. There's 20 seconds left. And they're down eight. Just let it go. Just let it go. It's over. But no, they foul. Then Baylor makes one of two. So it's like, okay, well, at least I'm still pushing here. Texas comes down. They turn the ball over with 11 seconds left. And then they still foul Baylor again. And so Baylor goes line, makes two and Texas makes the layup. And you yeah, have your over. Stop fouling down <laughs> when you're not coming back over two possessions and under 30 seconds left please for the love of god it ruins everything so that's my one big rant of the week
0: i'll go in and piggyback on that ucla point that you just made by the way colorado one of the best uh two-point defenses in the pack 12 so it wasn't a great matchup and situationally mm-hmm. certainly not a good matchup for ucla not only did they get the win, but they shot one for 14 from three. And this is someone we'll talk about more as we get towards March Madness. Can you win without making threes in modern college basketball? UCLA, obviously they can. But I think that just proves it that, you know, some people may look at it as, oh, it was a bad shooting night and they flirted with being upset. I look at it from a positive standpoint, seeing that they don't need those balls to drop. And if they do, if they do
1: hit those trays, I think they're going to be borderline unbeatable, particularly if they end up on the one line. Yeah, the mid-range Mystics, yeah, they got two the great coach, two seniors who've been to a Final Four before. They look like they're definitely going to be a tough out. Come tournament time. Yeah, let's move on. Let's just move right into the conference tournaments. Um, let's start with the Atlantic Sun. The Atlantic Sun, 10 of the top 14 teams qualified. It starts tonight, then it'll resume tomorrow, and then Thursday, and then Sunday will be the championship. The games are played at the higher seeds. They do reseed before the semifinals. Liberty is the favorite, uh, minus two thirty ish. My sure odds, worth its worth, around minus two hundred. So I don't see any value in Liberty, although they're clearly the best team in the conference. Very well coached with their pack line defense. Darius McGee is a flamethrower and go for forty or fifty any any night. But the reason they're not the one seed is because Kennesaw State beat them. They have the tiebreaker. Kennesaw State's plus three hundred. I make them around plus three seventy. Amazing, amazing season for Kennesaw State and Abdul Raheem, who's turned around that program from, I think, two wins a couple years ago in his first season. Why that's important, why Kennesaw State's the one seed? Because if Bellarmine or Queens wins this, they're not eligible. The dumbest rule in all of college sports. And that's this is what happened last year. Mm-hmm. Bellarmine I won it, and then the Jacksonville State ended up going because they won the regular season. The tie break they think they won more games than Liberty. There was two one seeds in with the divisions, which is just different this year. But there's yeah, Queens and Bellamy are not eligible. And both, you know, Bellamy's their their offense is I can't see them really winning it. They're they're their defending champs, but you know, they might play Liberty in the second round and they upset them last year in the tournament. But then no Penn and they lost Penn and Fleming off last year's team, and their, their offenses is nowhere near as good, and they still can't play defense. Stetson's offense, Queens offenses are really scary, but n- neither play defense. So interesting tournament is liberty ripe for the picking is there a long shot to look at here bj you have the task of looking into the atlantic sun yeah what do you got i i'll be honest i'm not i mean there's no way even
2: with these conference tournaments there's no way i'm playing anybody you know longer than minus 200 to win some of these tournaments unless it's a very short tournament they're at home and you can see a scenario where they don't have an easy, they have a very easy path and they can eventually get to the final and you can say, all right, they're going to be more than minus two hundred. So that's the only argument I would make for Liberty here. But again, they're not going to be on their home floor for the, for the title game. So playing them at minus two thirty, I agree with you is, is not the play here. I actually do like a long shot and you can find them at hundred to one uh, out there. Queens, they're not going to be able to make the NSA tournament, but if you look at, you know, shot quality, Queens is third in adjusted efficiency in the A-Sun, and they're graded as the best three-point field goal defense in the country in terms of the quality of looks of three-pointers that they allow. But for some reason, teams are just shooting ridiculously hot against them. And this A-Sun, it's a very, very high three-point shooting league. There's a ton of teams that you know have a three-point rate over 40%. They're going to be the 9 seed. They're playing on Monday against Florida Gulf Coast. They're an incredibly high-variance team. They're very good in transition. They, you know, Queen shoots a ton of three pointers, but they're 24th in the country in points per possession allowed in half court sets. And if you look around the A Sun, with teams like Liberty and Stetson, they tend to play slower and play in the half court quite a bit. Plus, if they can get by Florida Gulf Coast in this first game, they're going to play Kennesaw State in their in their next matchup. They just beat Kennesaw State at their home floor to two what was it two weeks ago. And if you look throughout Queens schedule, they've had a lot of late game variance that's been incredibly unlucky. They went 7 and 11 in conference play. 10 of those 11 losses came by 10 points or less. So at 100 to 1 for what shot Quality has graded as the third best team in the conference who is incredibly high variance, I love the upside from Queens. I understand they can't make the NCAA tournament, but like you mentioned Stucky, they're still motivated. If you saw what happened with Bellarmine last year, you cannot tell me those kids did not care about winning their conference tournament. So at a hundred to one, I think it's a fantastic price on a team that if they can get hot, has a tremendous offense who has shown them they can upset the top seeds in this tournament or in this conference. So Queens at a hundred to one for me is where I'm going with the A son.
1: Yeah. I don't hate that. I mean, look, they have two Awesome guards in Kenny Dye and HMQ or are of going for 30-plus on any given night. So when you have that, you know, you're – and there is a lot of three-point variance, and Queens takes a ton of threes. They play no defense whatsoever. Like, they're going to have to win yeah. shootouts. It The game against Florida Gulf Coast, I think they're about a two-, three-point favorite. The game they played earlier this year at home, it was like 84-82. Like, that, those are the type of games that they play. But, you know, and that they face up against – they have the athleticism to go up against Kennesaw State. They'll throw a press out there, which Kennesaw State has struggled with. Liberty beat them twice to end the year. Liberty, so Liberty plays a pack line defense and they have the guards that can get hot from the outside. I, I, I definitely don't hate it. And look, Liberty takes a ton of threes too. They're top, mm-hmm. I think they're third nationally in three-point attempt. So a lot of variants there. Um, so yeah, I don't hate Queens being this year's bombing because I don't think Bombing has a shot this year with their offense. So um, yeah, I don't hate it. I don't see any value in the top two seeds here. So if you want to take a long shot, I think Queens is the way to go with that backcourt. Let's transition to the Patriot League. I know you're excited, Mike, to talk the Patriot League. This starts Tuesday, tomorrow, February 28th. Then Thursday, March 2nd. Then Sunday, March 5th, is the semis. Then Wednesday, March 8th. A lot of breaks in between here, unlike some other conferences. Every game will be played at the higher seeds. Colgate, back-to-back champions are minus 220-ish. This has been a chalky, chalky conference tournament historically i think the first tournament was in 1991 the top two seeds have won it in 29 of 32 seasons the only exceptions were 2020 boston was the three seed covid year 2016 or 2015 lafayette was the four seed the only like crazy upset was 2016 holy cross is the number nine seed otherwise it's been like top one or two seeds basically every year for 30 years navy is two seed plus 270 ish As always, make sure you shop around when you're betting conference tournament odds because you can find quite a bit of difference, and, you know, every cent matters. But you can find plus 300 here, plus 350 there. Make sure you shop around and have a bunch of outs. So Colgate, clearly the favorite. I have them like 85% to make the final, and so it's a pretty easy path for them. Mike, let me throw it to you. I know you dug into your beloved Patriot League. What do you see in here? Any upsets? Is this Colgate's to lose? Is it lay the chalks and stay away? What do you, what's the breakdown here? Is a coronation for Colgate.
0: You know, at minus 220, I, I think there's still value, shockingly, because they're going to play at home. They're going to not have to play those back-to-back-to-backs like other conference tournaments. They're 117th in Ken Palm overall. The next closest team is Navy at 176th. They're 54th overall in Ken Palm offense, but when you dig into their numbers, they're first nationally in effective field goal percentage at 58%, first in three point percentage. And then you look at how they perform at home, they're 11 and 2 this year, straight up at home, and it's a bad year for them. They're 34 and 4 at home since 2020. Tucker Richardson is somebody can go off. He gave Syracuse 30, 30 earlier this season in a road upset. All five starters, average double digits. But really, it comes down to the fact that they've been able to keep one of the best mid-major coaches in all of college basketball in Hamilton, New York. I don't understand how they keep Matt Langell there, but this guy is an absolute offensive genius. He went to the warden's yeah, business. their amazing. I mean, he went to play to Penn, Penn Business School, like just an incredible coach, three-time Patriot League coach of the year. He's probably going to hit number four this year, perfect system. And then when you look at what they've done against their main competition, they swept Navy, they swept Army, they swept Lehigh. So other than a fluky loss at American where they shot 41%, they've basically been unbeatable in Patriot League play. So when I look down the board, like there's reasons to like Navy. I mean, they started eight and ten straight up, and then they turned it around, went ten and two. They nearly upset Colgate in NapTown, you know, at the end of the season. They're tops in Patriot League play in points per game, defense, field goal percentage, defense, turnover margin. They're solid. They're an absolute solid team, and they have five seniors in their starting lineup, so you know you're going to get a consistent, strong effort out of the midshipmen. But I still think that this number, at least it would have to be four to one or better, in my opinion. So plus 270 is a pass for me. I really just don't like Army at 11 to one. Um, In Ken Palm, they're pretty much unimpressive on both ends. And I think that's fair if you watch them play. They can't get offensive boards because of their size issues. They turn it over too much. They're 281st from the foul line. So even if you get yourself in kind of a rock fight with Colgate, are you going to win that game at the line? Probably not lehigh i think you know they have a lot of issues on the defensive end i like their backcourt a lot higgins jr taylor and whitney sydney but in general they just can't shoot other than higgins taylor both shoot over 40 percent from three they got rocked twice by colgate this, this entire tournament runs through colgate so if you have no chance of beating the red raiders why are you even throwing you know a long shot at 16 to 1 I'll throw out two here if you're interested to maybe recoup some value from a hedge perspective if they can make it to the semis or have a dream run to the finals. American and 80-1 to kind of piques my interest. I mean, they beat Colgate once, you know, down in D.C., and they took them to the wire the other time. They're 357th in pace. So they are going to try to win in a different way from how Colgate wants to play. They have two solid bigs. You know, Matt Rogers and Johnny O'Neal are solid. They can score. They, you know, they really make them efficient. They're 22nd nationally in effective field goal percentage. They're really strong near the basket. 80 to 1. I think it's it's worth a roll of the dice. Then finally, I'll, I'll throw a shout out to my Greyhounds. 200 to 1 Loyola Maryland Greyhounds. 4-1 and one down the stretch, straight up. They split with Navy and Lehigh, so there's a chance for them if everything goes right to maybe make a run to the finals. They were within six of Colgate at their place with four to go. And then finally, the difference maker has been freshman Deion Perry. This kid is a five-foot, eight-point guard. His minutes have increased as the season's gone on. He's blown up down the stretch in that you know, last five games, averaging over 20 points per game, just 1.6 turnovers per game, and shooting 46% from long range. So a shout-out to the star from Our Lady at Mount Carmel in Baltimore. That's as best as I can do for any team outside of Colgate trying to throw a little lipstick on this pig. It's going to be the, you know, the Raiders taking this all the way to the tournament if they end up on the 15 line as bracket matrix is predicting that's bad news for a two seed i I think this is a 13 or 14 seed in terms of overall quality but you know bracket matrix does a great job aggregating every bracket out there on the internet they have very high hit rate on hitting the exact seed so keep colgate circled on your bracket when they come out they could ruin a lot of dreams
1: yeah i mean look colgate is dangerous because they can shoot. I mean, they're number one in the country in three-point percentage, at close to 41%. They run, run wonderful offense on so their defense. They're not going to give many stops. Uh, they're good on the defensive glass, but they, they're they hot from three. They can give someone trouble. I'm, I'm going to make a case for Navy and not, because, not to bet them as a future. I don't think there's any value in the number of a plus 270. I agree. I would need like four or five, five to one to bet them. Because I think if you go money line rollover, projected spreads here, if Colgate gets to the final, a money line rollover, you're looking at, and to keep this in mind, if you want to do this math, sometimes there's more value in the potential money line rollover than the actual future, and it gives you flexibility. Now, there could be a big upset, and then that, that's why you wouldn't want to do it. But if Colgate gets to the final, you're looking at five, six to one on a Navy money line rollover. If not, if Colgate somehow gets upset, then you're looking at like plus 250. So like why well, take plus 270 and uh, one of you mentioned Navy seniors and th- these seniors have gone. zero seven against Navy. I loved Navy on Saturday. Unfortunately their captain and one of their starters was out at Yoder and he's important you, for 40% three point shooter, kind of the glue guy team captain. He was ruled out. He like banged up his shoulder at the end of the previous game. I don't know if he's going to play. So I would wait on Navy. And then if you want, like do a Moneyline Roller, if you like Navy, because, but I but I personally would just say, wait to see if Yoder plays. And then you could take Navy to beat Colgate if it gets there. Like, you're not going to get that far off of a price than their future uh, from a Moneyline perspective. And then you'll see if Yoder is healthy because Navy, since you mentioned how improved they were, and I, I mentioned this in the podcast last week, they, you know, they lost To Holy Cross, then they beat them by 18. They lost to Lehigh, then they beat them by 12. They lost to Lafayette, then beat them by 19. Lost to Loyola Maryland, beat them by 12. Lost to American, beat them by 16. Why? Their defense has improved astronomically. Since January 15th, they're a top 25 defense adjusted for opponent nationally. Up to that point, they were outside the top 300. You're talking about a defense adjusted for opponent that went from outside the top 300 to inside the top 25. I think they're like 25th um so their defense has been amazing they've improved significantly they have all this senior leadership and even without yoder they got down big against colgate and they almost came back had a shot the tire win late and just couldn't get there so yeah if you like navy i'm i think navy's gonna get to the final but if yoder is not healthy and here's the thing why i also don't like the future with navy's because higher seeds host so if they get to the final you're talking about two home games Navy has the, I, I have them with the lowest home court advantage in all of college basketball. So like, it's not a huge deal to have, like they get up, they, they, they're they better off on the road. Like there's just no home court advantage for them. So like they get two home games, who cares? It's the Patriot league, like home court Colgate has a pretty good home court advantage, but some of these other players, like Navy has, you know, Bucknell used to have it for when they were really good, but you know, Navy has no home court advantage. So that I like them. If they get to the final, Yoder's healthy and you can maybe take a stab there. But they're them playing at home, and you know the the, the way they want to play, they could easily get upset like they did when they were one seed a couple years ago. So look out for Navy in that defense, which is playing amazing. But keep your eye on Yoder. I don't see any value in it. If you want to back the mids, go moneyline rollover, or just wait, because I do think Colgate's going to get to the final, and then we'll see if Navy can get their revenge, like they have against every other team that they lost to early in the season. As a reminder, before we go any further, college basketball season is in full swing. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 next step Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi, in Ontario. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, good stuff on the Patriot League. Let's move to the... We want to go fun belt. Let's go Sunbelt. BJ, bring you in here. All tournament games here are played in Pensacola, Florida. Starts Tuesday, resumes Thursday, then Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Top four seeds get double buys into the quarters at Southern Miss, JMU, Louisiana, and Marshall. BJ, what do you see here from a value perspective? It's going to be tough for these lower seeds that would have to win Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday in Pensacola. What's the read here?
2: Yeah, I think that – so I'm going to be playing two futures, and I think it's a way to at least get a four-to-one shot into the championship game where you can hedge, and it's going to be James Madison at four-to-one and Southern Miss at plus 470. So James Madison, I think, is the best team in this conference, even though they're sitting at the, the four seed. They're the number one team in the conference at shot selection, open three-point rate, second in points possession and rim and three-point shots. They also get to the free throw line at an incredibly high rate. And most importantly, they're the number one defense in the conference or excuse me, the number one offense in the conference in points per possession and half court sets. They went 12 and six in conference play. Only one of those losses was by 10 points or less defensive side of the ball. They're a top 100 adjusted uh, defensive efficiency team, top 25 in turnover rate, number one team in the conference in defending and transition. They'll likely be playing Troy in their first matchup, if Troy uh, gets by Coastal Carolina or Arkansas State, it's a really good matchup for them because Troy turns the ball over a ton. They shoot a ton of threes, and they're only shooting around 31% from behind the arc. And then it'll likely be either Southern Miss or Southern Alabama. Now, the Southern Miss case is very interesting. They went on a nine-game win streak during Sun Belt play, so they're the number one seed. But I think why you're seeing them at plus 470 is because they just lost by 31 to South Alabama uh, two weeks ago at South Alabama and had their worst shooting game of the season. So the price for me is a little, I mean, if you look at shot quality and Ken Palm Southern miss is still second in this conference in adjusted efficiency differential. They're a very well-rounded offense that doesn't have a lot of weaknesses and the defensive side of ball. They're very good, but they have this one main weakness is they're a really, really bad defensive rebounding team. Well, If you look at the conference, the top five offensive rebounding teams are on the other side of the bracket. So they're not going to face a team that's going to exploit that weakness. Southern Miss also 27th in the nation in points for possession allowed at the rim. They're 17th in forcing teams into bad shot selection, 21st in open three-point rate allowed. So if they can get by South Alabama, which I believe they can, it's a good revenge spot for them, and they play James Madison in the the semis, I think you can get a four-to-one shot into the final, which actually has a good opportunity against Marshall and Louisiana, who, uh, you know, I've, I know Marshall's uh, been your bogey team this year, Stucky, but they've obviously run pretty well. I think that's how I'm going to play this and potentially get, set up a good hedge spot, because even if one of those two teams gets to the final, I don't see a scenario where they're going to be more than a, a two or three point underdog against Marshall against Marshall, or Louisiana. So it's important to shop around here because some prices are out of whack. The best price you can find on James Madison right now is four to one. And the best price you can find on Southern Miss is plus four seventy. So I think that's how I'm going to play the fun belt.
1: Well, I'm going to make good stuff there. I'm going to make a case. I agree on Marshall. I finally got him with Old Dominion on Friday. The Thundering Herd. I mean, they'll both throw in what three? Yeah, three games in three days. You no, know, they're they get a double buy, but they have no depth late in the season. Three games in three days. Their backcourt's excellent. They'd like to get on transition. They have to. They'll probably have to face Old Dominion potentially first too. It's not a great matchup. Old Dominion to just beat them, slow the game down, keep them out of transition. They're great against pick and roll. I'm going to make a case for South Alabama since look, they coming into the season, they were bottom twenty in minutes continuity per Kempon. They a lot of brand new pieces. Richie Riley I have a lot of respect for. Took them some time, even though you saw the potential early in the season. This is a team that played Bama tough. Lost by ten. They went to New Mexico, lost by six. Went to Oklahoma, lost by four. This is in their first four games, and they kind of lost the plot. They're trying to, you know, figure out, especially on the defensive end. And then they really turned it on. They're number one in momentum metric per Hazle metrics in the country. They were blowing teams out down the stretch. They lost their finale, but they have a lot of. They're they're playing with a ton of confidence right now. And since January first, they're number seventy three nationally in adjusted efficiency and the second best team in the conference the only team better since january 1st louisiana barely they're at 67 pre-january 1st south Alabama was 185th and the seventh best team in the conference so it makes sense richie Riley, great coach really started to figure out that defense and they actually finished number one in effective field goal percentage on both offense and defense in league play and look they swept jmu they went seven and three against the seeds in the top half and one of the losses was a bad loss to coastal who's probably out in the first round So, yeah, I think, look, they have an excellent transition D, great pick-and-roll defense, which is key if they get to Marshall in the final. And Marshall, they don't have any depth, but Southern Miss doesn't have any depth either. That's the one thing that I'm really worried. Excuse me, South Alabama doesn't have any depth either. They're bottom 20. Isaiah Moore just plays a ton of minutes. He's a study. He's going to have to be big here. So if they get to the final, which is really when you would worry about their legs, maybe they're matched up against Marshall. Marshall doesn't have any legs either. So they have to win one extra game here. Which makes it tough. You can find a ten to one. I think South Alabama has all the momentum and like the, just the improvement. I don't think is necessarily being priced into the market, but the path definitely won't be easy. But the fun belt worth a shot. I'm going to go with the Jags. Mike, you got anything on the fun belt? I
0: like D'Antoni in, in general. I, I like the program runs. I like the system when they made their run to the tournament. I want, I'm trying to remember who they upset in March Madness. Um, but they were a four seed in that conference USA tournament before winning the automatic bid. So he's not someone who necessarily goes wire to wire in the regular season. It's a team that can get hot. I love their guard play, Taylor and Kinsey. Um, I agree with your, your notes on their overall depth and how that impacts them in the conference tournament uh, bracket layout, the way that they have it playing those back to back to back games. Um, but in general, I, I think Marshall would probably be my
1: play here out of the Sunbelt. Yeah, they beat, um, uh... Wichita State in 2019. That was uh, Elmore West. I love that team. They were fun. And then they lost to, I think they played West Virginia in the second round, which is a, then they got blown out, but a fun interstate um, rivalry. All right, let's go into our final conference tournament of the episode. Let's talk some horizon. Now we mentioned earlier that the Patriot League has been historically very very chalky since the its inception in nineteen ninety one. Not the case with the Horizon League. Horizon League has <laughs> seen quite a bit of chaos and just when I think of Horizon League, I think of crazy games, crazy endings. There always seems to just be awesome games and just must see TV. I think like last year or two years ago, like the Horizon tournament was the best conference tournament. Like just every game there was like triple overtime, double overtime. All eleven teams make it. Top five seeds get a bye. This starts Tuesday, resumes Thursday, then Monday, Tuesday. First round of quarters are at the higher seeds. Then we're on to Indianapolis for the semis and finals. E, Mike, what do you see here in the horizon? Expect more chaos.
0: Yeah, you teed this up properly. If you're looking for a wacky conference tournament, this is the one. I'll start at the top. You know, I basically called my shot in January. I thought that Youngstown was going to win this thing. They were going to win the regular season. They were going to win the automatic bid. It's going to be hard. Because defensively, they're 267th in Ken Palm's uh, adjusted defensive metric. But offensively, this team can really cook. 82 points per game. They got four starters, averaging over 13 points per game. They're one of, I wanna say, six teams in the entire country that can claim that. Dwayne Cohill is incredible, 18 and five per game on 46.2% shooting from long range. As a team, they're sixth in shooting efficiency. This defense, though, like e- beyond just the Ken Palm number, when you, you start to really dig into it, 310th in opponent shooting percentage. Eek. So they could win this thing going away. They could score 80, 90 points in every game and comfortably win. They could also lose in their very first game because when you look at how they performed against the top of the rising League, it's wide open. They split against Milwaukee. They split against Cleveland State, and they split against uh, Northern Kentucky, although the, the one loss was an overtime loss. That kind of sets the stage for okay, this is wide open. Let's get into who could potentially knock off the Penguins. Before you
1: keep going, Mike, just to set the stage down, um, Youngstown is the favorite there, but I mean depending on the book, but like plus one seventy five ish. Then you have Northern Kentucky, Cleveland State next, four to one. Wright State next, six seven to one. Then Milwaukee ten to one, Detroit eighteen to one, and then you're kind of down into some longer shots. But go ahead. Yeah, so you're gonna want to shop around for the
0: best number. It's as you know low as plus 330 on cleveland state and northern kentucky as high as you know four to one so you want to make sure you get the best there neither of these teams wow you cleveland state or northern kentucky on the offensive end cleveland state awful from long range which doesn't sound great if you get in a shootout with youngstown state they rely a ton on tristan inaruna he's a really strong big for the netherlands he's averaging 15 and almost seven rebounds per game as a team They're far and away the best offensive rebounding team in the horizon, which is critical because not being able to pump in shots from three point range, you want to get second chance opportunities. They've played really well, you know, Inaruna and the Vikings in general played great down the stretch six and one straight up with wins over Youngstown and Northern Kentucky. So of this two pack, the Vikings and the Norse, I'm going to go with the Vikings here. Northern Kentucky, they, they concerned me a little bit. They were, in my opinion, leaking oil down the stretch. Their last four games against quality horizon league opponents, they lost. Most of those were on the road. Marquez work has been special, but I think he's just a step behind, you know, the Trey Calvins and co-hills of this conference. Um, you know, in, in terms of his overall shooting, he's over 40 percent, three points, averaging 19 points per game. But I still don't think he quite has that killer instinct to put the entire team on his back. The one thing that is good about Northern Kentucky from a game to game basis is they have one of the highest turnover rates in the nation. They really make it difficult on you, and they play at one of the slowest tempos. So, those turnovers are just more valuable for a team like they are. They get killed on the offensive glass, though, and for playing pre- out of zone. Yeah. So, they're deep in the 300s in both of those metrics. Um, you mentioned it, Milwaukee, even though they're the two seed in this tournament, they're 10 to one to win it. And I think it's pretty simple that advanced metrics hate this team. They're 232nd in Kempom offense, 229th in defense. They get, also get killed on the offensive glass. They turn it over way, way too much, 357th nationally. That, to me, is enough for it to be a pass. I know that B.J. Freeman's their go-to guy, um, but he's been disappointing down the stretch in losses to Youngstown and Robert Morris, both road blowouts. So not in on the Panthers going to pass there. Let's get into the long shots that I love. Wright State, plus 750. You can get them out there in the market. And Detroit Mercy, 18-1. to 1. Let's start with Detroit Mercy at 18-1. to 1. It's no surprise they do it all on the offensive end. They got a one two punch with Antoine Davis, the three point king of college basketball, and Jared Liddell. Liddell's a 15 and 10 big, which is great for them, gives them a little inside outside balance. They're 53rd in adjusted offense efficiency by Ken Pum. And I'll just do the quick whisper 347th in defense. So, yes, they could shoot their way past just about anybody in this tournament. They're six and three point shooting percentage nationally. But then you look on the other side, 345th in three-point percentage defense. Could they beat Youngstown if they got to a meeting with them? Absolutely. They lost by five. They just got to win a
1: shootout. They got to win like 90 to 87.
0: Exactly. They lost by five at home, 84-79. It was a two-point game with 20 seconds left. So, yes, it's possible. They could also lose in the first round by 20 points. I wouldn't bat an eye. Wright State, I like a little bit better. This is my true long shot that I'm going to end up playing in this conference tournament. They got Trey Calvin. They got a chance. The guys flirted with a 90-50-40 line all season long. Incredible shooter. He scored 44 at a triple overtime loss at Youngstown. You know, they got wins over Milwaukee. They got a, a blowout win over Northern Kentucky. But here's the key for me. They're second in the conference in road record straight up at 7-7. Seven and seven. So their their team basketball travels. It's not just Trey Calvin show. They can do this if everything breaks right. I think the price is just about right. I'd love to get it an 8-1 to one if I could, but anything north – Of plus 750 I think is interesting they're not great defensively but they can rebound on the defensive end you know a team rebounding element I think helps them so in a conference that to your point historically it's been wide open you should have at least one long shot chambered I'm going to go with the Raiders here
1: I don't even think you realize you said during your your push that if everything breaks right and the price is right for right state Uh, I don't know if you caught that but I'm going to go with Detroit here I'm this is It's all about chaos. Why not back Antoine Davis, who is 63 points away from being the NCAA all-time scoring leader, 63 points away for Pete Maravich, 18 to one. I think that's the best. I got to shop around and see before I lock this in, but I know that there's an 18 to one out there and they, so let's look at their path. Right. And you mentioned it. They're kind of like Youngstown light. You have Mm -hmm. like Cohill, but their offense, this is a top 80 offense, no defense, sort of like Youngstown State. Youngstown State just like a step above. But you mentioned it. They could they could beat Youngstown in a, just a complete shootout. Just two teams that play no defense. it look like an NBA game, maybe a regular season game. But they first get Fort Wayne, who they swept during the regular season. And then we get Youngstown, who I think that they could win in a shootout. You're talking about an 18-to-1 shot. Then you're in an Indy. And then you're either going to get Oakland or Northern Kentucky, two teams that play a ton of zone, zone-heavy defenses, and Detroit zone offense is elite, ninetieth percentile for per synergy. You have Antoine Davis who could go for you know fifty, seriously fifty against the zone. And then who are you going to face in the final? Like Milwaukee, uh, Milwaukee. I, I have I have Detroit power rated ahead of Milwaukee. I would have them favored in that game. Cleveland State be close to a pick for me. So right state, I agree, is scary. There's a reason why despite the ranking, but yeah. Then then you're in the final. Like the path isn't that bad. Now, they could lose in the first round easily. Easily. Defense doesn't show up. Davis is an off day, but they're 18 to one in the Chaos Conference. Give me, give me Detroit. I'm riding with Davis one last time. All right. Uh, yeah, you got to have fun in the horizon. You got to take a shot in the horizon. And hopefully, if Davis wins, if they beat Fort Wayne and then you get Youngstown in an absolute shootout, I think he'll break. He's six. It'll be close if they don't beat Youngstown. So, what he's 63 away. Yeah, it's going to be close. It'll be close. I, I, I mean, mean, he's going to take, if he plays those two games, he's going to take 45 shots. So, yeah, yeah you, yeah, you have every close.
0: opportunity to go past.
1: Yeah, he's not going to get it in the first game, they lose, but there's a chance he gets it in two. And, yeah, that Youngstown Detroit game would be uh must-see TV. Total, yeah, just, I don't
0: know, what, 168, something like that? I'm going over, just auto over on that one.
1: There is, yeah, there is, now, like, they could come out, you could now. The thing is with Detroit, and the thing with Youngstown too, is like their defense is bad. They don't really play any defense, so maybe like just effort-wise, their defense gets a little better because the offense is there. So yeah, maybe there's some upside for both of those teams there. But I just don't see there's any value with Youngstown. But I think that there might be given the price, and you have the best player in the conference. Um, so yeah, give me Detroit there. All right, good stuff. Going through the four conference tournaments, the best time of the year. The madness is here, but we have one final task at hand for today, and that's tonight's card. BJ, let me throw it to you. What do you have circled for tonight?
2: I'm going to go with the Baylor-Oklahoma State under at 141 and a half. Keontae George is out for this game, which is a big loss for Baylor considering he's averaging 17 points, but he's also taking 30% of their shots when he's on the floor. And the thing about Baylor is they have tremendous scores all over the world. They're number one in shot quality shot-making metric, but – they're 274th in the country in terms of shot selection. So losing one of your best shot makers when you're already not getting consistent shot, good shots, it's, it's, it becomes a problem. The other problem he's is also a good he's,
1: facilitator too. Very, right. Very,
2: exactly. Very good. Baylor basketball. is a very high frequency pick and roll team. Everything starts with George at the top through their pick and roll. Oklahoma state, very good at defending pick and roll 62nd nationally in points per possession allowed the previous meeting. They held Baylor, they held Baylor to just 0.91 points per possession on pick and roll sets. Baylor, they're also shooting the lights out from from beyond the arc in conference play. 37.5% Oklahoma State, number one team in the conference, open three-point rate allowed. The flip side is Oklahoma State's offense has been pretty lackluster this season. They're ninth in the Big 12 in adjusted offensive efficiency. They're only shooting 31% from behind the arc in conference play. And that's where 40% of their field goal attempts come from. So Baylor's only allowing 31% from beyond the arc. They're eighth in the country in points per possession allowed in half-court sets. And Baylor does tend to play a slower pace, ninth and adjusted tempo. Oklahoma state is six. So with George being out with, with everything running through him and their offense, I like the value in under 141 and a half.
1: Yeah. I'm going to just to piggyback off that. I'm going to go with Oklahoma state catching one and a half two. I think you might be able to find out there. I doubt that lasts long, but look, this Baylor team is going to be dangerous and march because of their guards and, you know, the three headed monster, but George is out for this game. But you look at what they've done on the road, right? They they lost by double digits to Kansas State. They lost by double digits to Kansas. They beat TCU in a game that TCU was severely shorthanded and had a chance to still win that game. Before then, you know, they lost to Texas. They beat Oklahoma by two in a game they were trailing late. You know, they lost to – they got blown out by Iowa State. They came back to beat West Virginia in a game they were trailing late. They got blown out by Marquette on the road. Like, that's their entire body of work on the road this year. And why have they struggled on the road? Their defense. Their defense, is, there's a lot of holes, especially at the rim. And that's where Oklahoma State, has. this is a, just a complete buy low spot. Now, look, they might need to win. Don't use that as a reason to bet a team in college basketball. A lot of times, it could, you see this in the NFL, college football, that could work against you, too. And usually it's it's priced into the market. But I think that this is the bottom point in Oklahoma State. I thought it was a great spot for them on Saturday. Still would bet it again. If you look at any analytical site, they graded that as an Oklahoma State win. They've gone 7 of 42 the past two games from three. They're not a great three-point shooting team, but they're not 16%. They've had a lot of open looks that they just missed. They do miss a- Avery Anderson. He's their best, probably their best on-ball defender. He can create his own shot. So they're going to have to get everything at the rim now. They're due to hit some threes, which they probably will tonight. They also have an elite pick-and-roll defense, as you mentioned, which is huge against Baylor. But they, they're they going to be able to get to the rim here, and they're going to be able to get offensive rebounds and putbacks against this Baylor weak rim defense. So I think that they're going to get some easy buckets. Defense shows up here. So I, I like Oklahoma State catching points at home here after losing four straight. They, watch the, the three-point variance, I think, do they break their way tonight. So give me the pokes uh speaking of pokes I, I played wyoming plus six i would not if follow me if i were you because they never cover and i always bet them because my numbers show value and nevada Nevada just covers every game somehow i also like montana state against eastern washington his winning streak finally came to an end on saturday they have everything locked up already montana state i think is the best team in that conference they're now fully healthy i think they get that win tonight those are two other ones i throw out mike let me throw it to you what do you got for monday night I have got one. I'll keep it simple. Florida Gulf Coast, Andy
0: Enfield is not walking through that door. Um, They've been awful down the stretch in the A-Sun. They've lost eight of their last 11 straight up in conference play. Playing against a Queens team that I think is going to make noise in this conference tournament. The fact that they're only laying a point and a half. It's kind of a weird um, situational play because they're playing at Kennesaw, a neutral floor within the conference. But the last time Queens took the floor at Kennesaw, They upset the Owls, so I'm going to go ahead with the much better backcourt. I love Kenny Dye. I love A.J. McKee. These guys could go for 60 total in this game. I think that they have a future in this tournament. I think FGCU is looking to shut it down. So the fact is, if it's below a single possession in terms of the spread, I would go ahead and hammer this one on the Royals.
1: Yeah, did I have that wrong for the... I had that wrong for the... Did I mention earlier for the Atlantic Sun that it's in... The higher seeds host. Did I say? We may
0: have it set so that it doesn't reset on the highest seeded team. So you know K-
2: what? I think so that's gonna get that, it. It, that is it. So Queens and Florida Gulf Coast are playing at Kennesaw, and then North Florida and Bellarmine are playing at Liberty. If you look at the bracket, at the semifinals they reset it, and they say you play at the highest remaining seed. Uh, so if Queens or Florida Gulf Coast wins, they're gonna play Kennesaw at Kennesaw. So that's why they're basically just playing at whatever the higher seeds floor is for these first two round matchups. Um, But the other matchups would be Stetson is going to host Lipscomb and then Eastern Kentucky is going to host North Alabama. And then after the quarterfinals, then it resets
1: to the highest remaining seed. Bizarre. Right. Um, All right. Good, good good catch there though. I I didn't have that down. Um, So I'm I'm glad that we looked at that, but uh, good stuff all around boys. We will be back later in the week. Hopefully some more winners. Thanks to both of you for joining me. As always, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to our audio and video team in the back end. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, leave a review. Later this week, we're going to pick the best review. Whoever we'll leaves the best five-star review, and they're going to join us on our futures portfolio. We're going to split it five ways. I, I, the producers, I told him that he can get in with us. Uh, so the best review, we'll reveal it later on the end of the week episode but three man we will be back wednesday with conference tournament preview and midweek preview we'll be back for the weekend preview and for conference tournaments starting on the weekend and then of course next week we will have you covered for all of the conference tournaments and championship week more details to come on that later in the week thanks for listening good luck on all of your wagers and we will catch you all next time cheers